Welcome back to the Ford Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Armstrong. Thanks for tuning in this week and each and every week. Any questions or comments, concerns, send me an email. The Forward Podcast at WeDoSport.com. Let me know what's on your mind. Fun conversation this week with an old friend of mine, kind of a trail running legend, but just keeps doing crazy stuff to make his uh, his status, his legendary status, just increase in my mind, especially Ricky Gates. I think you all find it very interesting. I personally, there's not ever been a second of my 46 years on this planet where I woke up and thought, you know what? I think I'm going to run across the country, 3,700 miles. Uh, no. But before we get to Ricky, I want to I want to uh, talk about my home state of Texas and specifically um, everybody that was initially affected by Hurricane Harvey, but now which has become the Obviously, the much bigger problem is the flooding uh, in the Houston area. Um, it, it, you know, when we talk about floods and you talk about measuring them historically, that you know, a lot of times people talk about, or you'll hear people talk about how it's a hundred-year flood, meaning this type of a flood can only happen once every hundred years. Believe it or not, they are talking about Houston, Texas now, and the flooding there as a five-hundred-year flood. Just think about that. So uh, the images are are awful. Um, I've been in touch with former um, former guest on the show, Art Acevedo, the now the now police chief in Houston, Texas, was once the police chief for a long time in Austin, um, and he said uh, to me via text that it is uh, by far the worst thing he's ever seen, and it potentially and most likely. Uh, not only uh, is just going to get worse. And so, uh, you know, whatever you're into, your thoughts, your prayers, please send them to the people of Houston. If you can go online, donate to all the great charities, whether it's the Red Cross, Salvation Army, local-based charities. Uh, and if you're in the area and, and can help, then please do. But uh, all our love from the Armstrong family to everybody affected down there in, in that area. Um, hang in there, guys. All right, uh, on to Ricky Gates, old friend of mine, just kind of stumbled across him here in the streets of Aspen. I said, dude, maybe we should sit down and talk about just why the hell you thought it was a good idea to run across the country. Um, So enjoy, and uh, thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week. Good buddy, Ricky Gates. Thanks for being here. Howdy, howdy. Thanks for having me. What in the hell compels somebody to run across the country unsupported? I think that's what makes it different. I have absolutely no idea. Great. Great answer. (laughs) Short podcast. Yeah. And we're done. (laughs) Um, So I I had a reason uh, for running across the country unsupported before I started this, Um, and that's primarily because I wanted to to do something that other people would look at and be able to emulate if they wanted to. Mm. Um, and I have an immense amount of respect for my friends and some of my heroes that have done similar sort of uh, excursions, trips, uh, adventures uh, that have had support and they're going for a very fast time. Um, but I just having seen those secondhand and firsthand, um, I knew that it wasn't the trip for me. It was too much uh, organization. It cost too much money and it didn't send the message that I really wanted to. So 
beforehand, which was, which was that anyone can do something like this. Um, maybe not, maybe you don't go quite as fast or you take more breaks or less breaks, but uh, yeah, that anyone can do this if they save up a little bit of money and have a little bit of curiosity and, and, uh, because you know. for the listener, you did it, and I I didn't know any of this. I should have known all this because we're buddies, but uh, it, I didn't catch on until, shoot, you were weeks in, and then I was like, what, yeah. what is Ricky doing? <laughs> it almost looks like he's riding across the country. But you did it, so for the listener who who may maybe didn't follow it, you did it on a strict budget yep. of, back up, I'm sorry. When, when we say unsupported, you know, a lot of people that would do this they could even ride across the country or yeah. walk across. They would do it. They would have a team. They'd have an RV. They'd have, you know, a massage. Tent. They'd have yeah. a chef. They, you ran and and the picture. I wish that we could show pictures on this podcast. This little baby jogger thing that you <laughs> ran across the country with that I guess carried all your shit. Yeah, was part of it. And then this strict budget of only a thousand bucks a month. That's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, but it is. Uh, it, there was a lot of days there. Um, so let me rewind a little bit. Sure. So I, uh, the trip was about five months, started in South Carolina, finished in San Francisco. Um, so yeah, $5,000 for five months, $1,000 a month. Um, budgeted down, that's about $30 a day, which in, honestly, in a lot of places, you'd be hard-pressed. If you're just running and eating, um, you'd be hard-pressed to spend more than $30 a day. So there was days where it was like 15, 20 bucks in food, and then you know I'd bank some of that money and get a hotel once every 10 days or so. Um, started yeah, off... If you're not, yeah. once a, where were they, where, where'd you sleep the other nine days? I do mostly camping. So I'd, uh, my backpack was... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, for, for the listeners that don't know this, I'm talking to the world's... Uh, Leader, leader in uh, prima donna camping here. Um, <laughs> glamping. Glamping um, to a different level. But uh, so, yeah, I had a, a, a tarp with me that was also my poncho. I had a sleeping bag, a very small uh, sleeping pad. Um, it all fit into a, a little running pack that, that I helped uh, design with my sponsor, Solomon. And... Uh, and it fit kind of on the front of my body and the back of my body. I did most of the country with that. When I got to the desert, uh, Utah, I realized I needed a whole lot of water, uh, a gallon, two gallon, three gallons of water. So um, my first solution was I found a little golf cart caddy thing, you know, the little two wheel thing that you push the little. Um, Not this one. No, initially. Uh, I saw some of the Instagram. Yeah. So for those to go to Ricky's Instagram, but it looked like a, yeah, it looked like a, what you would push your, if you were walking around a golf. It's exactly, like, yeah. yeah. Found that at the thrift shop in Moab for six bucks, and that worked for about 120 miles. And then a buddy in uh, Ohio sent out a, uh, a this little baby jogger. He assumed that I might need it, and he was very much correct. And so I picked that up at the uh, the post office in Hanksville, Utah, and, and carried on for about 600 miles from there all the way to Reno with that. And with the baby jogger, you could carry... Three, three gallons of water, three days worth of food, um, clothes. Like I was, yeah, I was picking up I mean, you can see on in the picture there. I was picking up trash off the side of the road. In this case, a a very large hubcap to a a, a big pickup truck. That we were curious about the hubcap. It's yeah. very it's very Blingy. Burning Man. Yeah, the whole the whole thing <laughs> is very Burning Man. It was mostly pretty much everything on there is found objects. The hubcap, three American flags, um, a nice addition additional sleeping pad. Um, so yeah, it was, it was perfect. And, 
And uh, it allowed me to do a lot longer miles in the desert. I was doing 35 to 45 miles a day. Wow. And uh, hanging out. the longest day you did? 48 was the longest day that I did. Shortest. uh, I had... I had some, I had a five mile day, I think, where I was, <laughs> Slacker. yeah, I think I was camped outside of town and decided to stay in town that day. And that was a uh, 4th of July. Yeah. I camped not far outside of uh, Austin, Nevada, and then went into to Austin to celebrate 4th of July hmm. the next day. So that was a lot of fun. And do people ever let you just crash? I mean, obviously, you know, crash in a spare bedroom or in the, you know, there. <laughs> Treehouse, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I would have um, been looking yeah. around hard yeah. for support. There was, all right, so for the most part, I, w- I was doing pretty good across the country, sleeping out under the stars. Um, the tarp that I had was good for light rainstorms um, and for dew. And then I realized uh, pretty quickly that like, if it was some torrential rainstorms, which you get across Arkansas, um, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, all of those places in the in the springtime, I was getting two inches, three inches of rain, and Ooh. through a night, and one of those nights in particular, I just got soaked to the bone, and and uh, cruised into a small town the next day, and just was pleading with the woman behind the the counter there, like, where can I stay around here? That's going to be dry. There wasn't any hotel or anything yeah. there, and the guy behind me in line. Um, long uh, Willie Nelson braids, uh, tattoos on all of his fingers, missing a lot of teeth. Um, Twelve pack of uh, bush light in his hand. He just he looks at me and he's like, "You're you're staying with me tonight, bud." And I'm like, "Okay." And uh, yeah. <laughs> the lady no, behind. I think I'll go back yeah. to my uh, tarp. Yeah. <laughs> and that guy's name was Kevin Wilson. He was amazing. I ended up spending the night with him and and uh, like yeah, pretty. Uh, sorry, living conditions, but certainly better than sleeping out under the, mm. in the rain again. Um, would you just sit around and chat with Kevin Wilson, or was yeah, it, or were you so tired you just said no? It was it was a five hour monologue on Kevin Wilson's part, and it was amazing. He told me all about his life, and it was really kind of what I was aiming for on this trip was to to just meet people that I wouldn't normally meet in in my normal life and spend some time with them and and hear some stories and. And, uh, yeah, I get to see a lot of this country that, uh, um, because of, I think in large part because of the bubbles that we live in, we, we don't actually get to, yeah. uh, cross over those lines much anymore and, and, and meet our neighbors. Yeah. Cause when you, when you announced this run and this is on gear junkie, I read the art, they, they profiled the run or did a, a post, maybe it was post, maybe it was during when you announced it. And this is your quote, you said, quote, they say that you cannot know the world without knowing your own backyard End quote. And you go on to say, in a time of uncertain politics and crescendo of differences, I've chosen to slow things down, simplify my life, and get to know my country at a step-by-step intimacy. That's one way to go about it. <laughs> it, it worked. Yeah, I mean, would yeah. you Kevin Wilson vote for Donald Trump? I don't, uh, Kevin Wilson's a convicted felon, so he didn't vote for anybody. Oh, there you um, go. And then if he did have the ability to vote, I would imagine he probably wouldn't have voted for anybody. Yeah, he's kind of well, an anarchist. Convicted of? Uh, we didn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we need Kevin on. I, I think I think you'd have a, a good time with Where Kevin. Where was he again? He was in uh, Arkansas on the Osage Indian Reservation I mean, in a town called Holcomb. 
um, yeah, really cool part of the country that I didn't even know existed until this trip and, uh, old oil money. That's, uh, the natural the, state. Yeah. All the license plates in Arkansas, you know, it says Arkansas at the top and the, the yeah. bottom says the natural state. People uh-huh. don't know Arkansas is gorgeous. Yep. Arkansas is gorgeous. So the route uh-huh. goes, and this is, this is probably a painting of yours. Is this your painting? That's my painting. Yeah. So this, yeah. it's kind of hard. It's not, obviously it's a painting. It's not that detailed, yeah. but it's South Carolina. What touches on Tennessee, and then gets over into Arkansas. Did you, you Oklahoma? Oklahoma, Kansas. Get, did you yeah. go through Texas, or was that? No, nope, I avoided that Texas. Was on Sorry about that. You avoided? Mm, yeah. It on purpose. <laughs> no, it's a big country. You can only get to know so much. Did you come time. through? It looks like you almost kicked it up to Aspen. Did you? Yep. Come, I, here? Yep. Came through here. I was here for uh, a few days, and then uh, yeah, it was cool. Came through and. I guess that was late May and there was still snow on, on all of the peaks. And so I was doing, I did about 40 miles on the top of the snow. Um, lucky that it was holding strong and not post-holing. Yeah. Um, went up and over Pearl Pass to, to Crested Butte, which I think you've probably ridden your motorcycle over. Yep. Um, and then down to Grand Junction from there. When you were running through the snow, did you see any of those? Remember that time we went for a run and I was curious about what those tracks were? Yeah. This is, I thought I was, this for the listener, Ricky and I have done a bunch of runs together, but back when I ran and we were out running one day in the snow, actually up the backside of Aspen mountain. And I said, Hey Ricky, I said, look at those tracks. What do you think those tracks are? And you were like, uh, a snowball. Or was it a snowball or a pebble? <laughs> it was a snowball actually. Yeah. It was, and uh... I was like, Oh, I mean, if that doesn't sum up everything about me and the outdoors, yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to be like a box or a, a what it, uh, it a, was a, a snowball, a, a snail, a, uh, <laughs> a, a roly poly down the hill. Ugh. Yeah. I didn't feel too studly after that. <laughs> so was Kevin the craziest guy you met? I met some crazier guys. Um, yeah, there was they were all over the place. I was psyched. I, I went into the trip uh trying to be as unbiased as I possibly could mm-hmm. and wanting to meet people that I disagreed with more than anything. And and I found that consistently across the country and, and uh, it was cool to, to just sit down and talk and, and try my best not to pass, to, pass any judgment. And um, let's see, I sat at a bar in, in Austin, where was that? Austin, Nevada. And the bartender there, a on Serbian, the 4th of July, on the 4th of July and the bartender there, the Serbian man um, who had uh, come to the States, I don't know, 40 years ago, um, had big Donald Trump sign out, out, out on the front of his uh, patio. Still, this is, this is seven or eight months, uh, after, uh, the elections and, and he just started spouting politics, uh, immediately. And, uh, I was with a couple friends, one of them actually, who's, who had, uh, bought me that, that baby jogger and flown out to join me for a couple days, uh, a couple friends listening to this guy and they, they couldn't, they couldn't really handle it. You know, they, mm. they started laying into it. And I'm like, and that's one thing you know, four months, four and a half months into the trip, like you you can't really figure out where people are coming from if if you're if you immediately put up your own defense and start go, attacking them mm. in a conversation like that. And so, um, it was it was cool to see how I I had changed a little bit, and and it's a change that I hope to maintain into my into my regular quote unquote regular life. How sure, uh, you're, you're, bro, you don't yeah. have a regular. Life. <laughs> but if we can, uh, you know push a conversation to learning about people rather than, uh, you know, being on the attack and, mm. and, uh, 
But I did have to ask him how business was having a Donald Trump banner uh, outside of his uh, establishment Man. on a on a uh, on a very busy touristy highway. Um, he says it hasn't improved, but I think he's hopeful. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I I had this thought when I mean when when before the before the election, I, I, and I, the regular listener knows I try to stay out of politics as much as I can, although I probably don't do a great job. But I told people, I said, I knew that there were the Kevin Wilsons, and not Kevin, because he couldn't vote, but the, the Serbian bartender. I mean, th that, that is, if you, if you think that you're rolling around Aspen and Austin and New York City and Los Angeles and San Francisco and Chicago, no, that's, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that happens. And those places yeah. exist and people have a, uh, have a slant. But, but until you're in Austin, Nevada, that is... Those votes count too, and so yeah. I, I always thought, you watch, regardless of how I voted or didn't vote, you watch this guy, because that's America. That's the shit we do. Yep. I I wanted to so the 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 map that Lance is uh, showing right there, or that's on my website, is uh, all of the blue states and the red states colored in, and my route going through it, and I went through eleven states on this uh, five month run, and I think nine nine of them were red states. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I brought up the, the Serbian bartender as, as an example, but that's like so far extreme of, of, of one political uh, spectrum. And in, in the, you know, in what, how, how it's like 3,000 miles? 3,700. 3, 30, there, there you yeah. go, just 3,700. Yeah. How much, um, can you plan out 3,700 miles, mile by mile, or did you just kind of, wing it obviously you don't want to run down a highway you'd like a shoulder you'd like a, a quieter road yeah so the the planning that i did for it the what i wanted to to do before i left this for this trip was to hit as many trails as possible um and there's quite a few um you know not not all of the the long distance trails are 2200 miles long like right. the appalachian trail um but i wanted to hit a bunch of trails i wanted to start in the south i wanted to go through uh, my hometown of Aspen, Colorado, and I wanted to finish in San Francisco because I used to live out there and I've got a lot of great friends out there. San Francisco Running Company is, uh, in in my great opinion, story. yeah, yeah. In, in my opinion, kind of the center of, of what's happening in, in American mountain and trail and ultra mm -hmm. running right now. Um, so with that, I, I came up with like six or seven trails uh, that I wanted to hit across the country. And then in between all of those, when I got off the Ozark Highlands Trail or when I got off the Appalachian Trail, which I was on for maybe 80 miles, I just put it at the next trail into my phone and Google Maps and whatever the shortest distance uh, was in between the two of those and in the, the walking button for Google Maps. And and uh, it sent me there. It was super cool. It sent me on some crazy backcountry dirt roads. And yeah. um, I was in... I'll read Arkansas and, and happened upon this couple there and, and they're like, how the heck did you get here? How did you get to all read Arkansas? I'm like, well, Google Maps sent me. <laughs> walk feature. Yeah. <laughs> how many pairs of shoes do you have to go through to run 3,700 miles? I went through, I think 11 pairs, 11 or 12 pairs of wow. shoes. Yeah. And I think you can do it with less pairs and you can certainly do it with a whole lot more pairs. Um, but yeah, I was trying out different models of shoes that Solomon is making. Um, and some of them were working well for me. Others weren't. And yeah. so that, you that's didn't, they'd ship them in. You didn't, uh, I had a great, pretty great system. Solomon was sending them to my brother in Aspen and then my brother was sending them to, uh, 
post offices or if I knew I was going to go to a friend's house uh, that happened in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're, we're not allowed to talk about the post office on this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that. Oh, my, my bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Last week I had on Are Gibber. you getting fined or am I getting fined? Uh, it, it is just me getting fined. Okay. <laughs> um, last week we had on, speaking of running and speaking of the Postal Service, uh, had Ben Gibbard on last week. Yeah. The singer for Death Cab for Cutie and yeah. he's really gotten into running. Yeah. Like really gotten into it. I don't know yeah. that he's your speed, but he's yeah. super into it. And he, he was once in a band called the Postal Service, and they ended right. up. It's kind of a long story, but they ended up coming after them and <laughs> sending them a cease and desist. So yeah. it's now two weeks in a row where we've talked a lot about the Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> what about injuries? Like if I and I only say this just because I can't run without getting injured these days, yeah. and and I don't know. Well, I do know what the reason is, but I mean, you must have had whether it's a blister or tendonitis or, I mean, nobody can run that far without yeah. being in pain. So I'd say, yeah, I had a million little injuries, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and most of them would be, would come and go in a few days, um, which I think is a, a strong testament to the human body kind of figuring out how to repair itself. Um, I've, I've never had a whole lot of sympathy for, for people coming up to, to me and saying they've got this injury and, and, and they're, they can't run anymore. And, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I pay close attention to stretching and massaging. And then I think there's just a huge aspect of it, which is just running through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, with that said, I've got a weird ankle injury right now that, uh, I had at the beginning of the trip and it, and it, and inflamed quite a bit at the end of the trip. Yeah. Yeah. So. And for the listener, it, it, we were trying to set up this podcast and you said, I think I get in on Thursday. I said, I think the train gets in Thursday. Said, <laughs> you know, again, me going. The train. There's a train. <laughs> You're not the first person that I've that that, that there's just this summer a fellow I was meeting with and I talked about this on my tour podcast. But uh, there was a guy who wanted to come meet with me, and he lives in Connecticut. Uh -huh. And he says uh, he emailed me and said I'm I'm running a little late. Yeah. The train is late. And I said what? There's no trains in Aspen. Well, he took the he took the train from Connecticut to Chicago, and then Chicago to Glenwood. Yeah, and then cabbed it. Yeah, I mean, I was like, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" <laughs> For the record, Amtrak is like ninety nine percent of the time late. <laughs> <laughs> but sleeper cabin? No, I I sat coach. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hung out in the. Uh, in the dining car a little bit in the observation room met some really cool Amish people you always get to meet Amish people on the train because they don't fly um, they were going uh, well they 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 can't fly in airplanes they were going paragliding in Glenwood and, and, and if you can just picture that gotcha. uh, so Amish Amish father and son going paragliding tandem paragliding in Glenwood Springs I, I wanted to stick around and uh, for that one, that. your photography yeah. for for the listener, you're and you can get it all on your website, rickygates.com. But your photography is outstanding. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah you're, you're a creative, you're a creative some bitch. It was it was a lot of fun. It was fun having my camera and, and having the objective to to get pictures of people and places along the way. Kind of, um, yeah, I don't know. I I I'm I'm fully aware that this is a trip that most people can't do. Uh, as a result of of time, family, money, physical yeah. condition, whatever it might be, and I wanted to share that with as many people as possible, and and so I I was uh, aiming to to take a portrait a day and a landscape a day, and uh, 
and a running picture a day. So, yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah it was a lot Did of fun. Did you put it on Strava? No. Are you on Strava? I'm on Strava. Yeah. But uh, the, the the battery power is a big issue. Like yeah, when packing for, yeah, when packing for a trip like this, I had to figure out how to uh, keep everything charged. Well, and, when you're and, on the side of the road with the tarp, yeah, I mean, there's not yeah, a whole lot of charging no, stations yeah, around. In a culvert underneath Highway 50 in Nevada, there was no outlets under there. Any aggro <laughs> people? You know, back up, back up, back up. The difference, because you, you touched on running through red states and blue states. Did you notice a difference in people's attitudes towards a guy running down the road in, in a red or a blue state? Uh, not in red versus blue. Well, that's a good question. I mean, Colorado and California were my two blue states. California was the most sketchy hmm. for running down the highway. Um, and I, and I don't think it's because people are, yeah, aggressive. It's just that there's so many more cars going and and people go fast and that's just the nature of it colorado the attitude that i was getting and it wasn't it was like uh you know going across the south you tell someone that you're running across the country you tell someone that you're running across the county and they're just blown away mm -hmm. and they want to hear all about it and cheering you on and and um, guys people giving me money in the south five dollars a dollar this one guy um asked if i was running across the country and, and he pulled out his wallet and gave me 160 dollars. it was all of the money in his in, in his wallet and wow. and i told him and it, it, he he wasn't a well-to-do man and i told him you know i i saved up my money for this trip i don't need it and he's like well i want I want to donate to your cause. And I'm like, well, I don't really have a right. cause. I just want to, you know, meet people and, and get to know the country a little better. He's like, well, I just want to donate to you. It would mean so much to me That's if you cool. just took this money. And so I kind of realized that in a lot of places, you know, that was people's ways of participating in the trip was uh, yeah. to just, whatever it was, give me five bucks to go buy a beer later. Or, and and uh, so... The the money stopped you when did I drink beer. You love to drink. Beer. I love drinking beer. Your mezcal. Yeah, love your mezcal. Love my mezcal and my beer. Um, yeah, the I was I you switched over you, to. I the, mean, you didn't go dry on this trip. I hope uh, far from it. Good. Yeah, the, you have to have the carrot out in front of you and and a gas <laughs> well, station. Yeah, gas station twenty miles up ahead with a a Bud Light in it and, a, and an outlet outside to charge your phone is a. Uh, is pretty much close to heaven on earth when you're running across the the desert, dude. I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I, and we, you you make fun of me, but I. And for the list, like Anna, we went camp. We've gone camping once with our children in the, their entire lives, and it was and it was car camping. Yeah. Up up the up the maroon bells, and the damn I had one of these glorious air mattresses. Forget the mat or whatever it is you say you sleep yeah. on. I mean, I had a an air mattress, like a real, like, a, like, a, like you have on your bed. Mm -hmm. And there was a hole in it and it kept going. Do you know this story? No. Oh, it just kept going, you know, flat throughout yeah. the night. I'd get up, pump it back up, yeah. flat, pump it back up. And she was never, she never, uh, she's a terrible, I'm a great sleeper. She's a terrible sleeper. She didn't budge. Yeah. I said, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Why is she not waking up? Yeah. Well, you know, the next morning she's like, oh, honey, no, when you go camping, you have to take an Ambien. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, nobody gave me the memo. Nobody handed me an Ambien. Uh, I would have been fine. Yeah. That was the last. Yeah. We're still trying to get you on a, get you out to one of the huts. There's a lot of great huts around the Aspen area called the 10th Mountain Huts. So I wrote up, this is a good, and I, I want to talk about, because you used to work for the 10th Mountain Division. I saw some of the crew up maybe two or three weeks ago, cutting wood, clearly getting ready. You're stocking the, the huts for... Uh, for the winter and for you people that want to 
you can do it in the summer and the winter. Not all of them are open in the summer, uh, but just go to huts.org and you can rent these things for a night and ski up or skin up or snowmobile, yep. I guess. And the one that I rode to, though, about a month ago was up at the Warren Lakes. Oh, yeah, so you the, have, ben- the Benedict Huts. Yep. There's two of them, and boy, they are. They're beautiful. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm yeah. like, I could live here. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, pretty much, well, maybe. Get the, get the helicopter drop once a week or so. But those are not open in the summer. Not during the summer, and I'm not sure why the 10th yeah. Mountain keeps those closed and the Margie Hut closed, but there's about, uh, I want to say 12 or 13 huts that stay open during the summertime. Yeah. yeah. And these were, and the huts were built back during World War II. Uh, nope. So the, the uh, it's great. the 10th Mountain huts that were, uh, it's named after the division of the army that was created in world war ii the 10th mountain division that trained here that trained in camp hale over close to leadville mm-hmm. um and they went and fought in europe in the uh uh italian alps there uh lost about a thousand men but it was a pretty important battle yeah. as far as uh kind of getting land back in 43 and 44 that's how you um, know that's how you get young men to want to go to war yep is you make them live in leadville yeah <laughs> anywhere just give me a war yeah just anywhere totally Af- afghanistan yeah. i don't yeah, yeah. get me out of here yeah <laughs> I, I i can't well a lot of nice people there but i could not live there no yeah. i'm looking at leadville <laughs> land's well, still cheap there man well of course yeah. you are Leadville's big, coming back. A hundred years big ago, mountains. that was the richest town in Colorado. Yep, they were debating making Leadville or Denver the capital yep. of Colorado. Right. Yeah, they settled on Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, these aren't the, the, but these aren't the, you know, this running trip or uh, the hut runs you do or the, you do all kinds of crazy shit. And I'm looking on your website right now, rickygates.com, and you, and you have at the top, which is cool, you have all these different tabs, still, motion, words. Etc. So when you go to the still photos, you see, and one of them is Antarctica. So you decided one year, and we've talked a lot about this, but you decide you're going to go basically move to Antarctica. Yeah. And and work on a base. Is it a base? Yep. Or, yeah, scientific base. Yeah, and that I just, I, I still, as much as we've talked about, I don't get it. <laughs> Do you have any desire to go to a different planet, to visit a different planet? Like if it were a possibility to go spend some time on Mars or on the moon. Yeah, I've yeah. never been asked that, and I've really never thought about that. <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on how long it would take to get there. Yeah, uh, 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 two days. And I wouldn't die? You don't die. I, then I wouldn't yeah. go. Yeah, so that's what I consider Antarctica. Antarctica is, is the closest that most of us, all of us, can get to to go into a different planet, to yeah. go into outer space. It's, uh, yeah, definitely the the most alien landscape that I've ever been to. Um, I have always had a fascination with uh, strange landscapes, whether it be mountains or desert or ocean or beach. Because um, it actually looks like the desert. Yeah. and it's, In it's black a, and white, it looks yeah, like the desert. And it is. It's the driest desert on planet Earth there you go. Um, is, is Antarctica. Um, and so, yeah, I got an opportunity to, to go down there and wash some dishes for, for four months and, and, uh, flew from Denver to LA to Christchurch to McMurdo, which is on the coast of Antarctica. And from there to the South pole. And I spent four months at the South pole washing dishes and 
going outside, running every day on in the flattest place I've ever been in my life. And you ran a marathon. When you ran a there. marathon down there. Uh, put yeah. on a bunch of weight too, didn't you? Put on 30 pounds. Jesus. Yeah. And, 30 uh, pounds in four months? 30 pounds in four that's, months. you got to be. Yeah, that's access to food all day long and and your body knowing that it's uh, 40 below zero outside. <laughs> people, I would, I mean, I'd go crazy. I'd just go crazy. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah. I'd, I'd, w- were people going crazy? People go crazy there, yeah. for sure. Not not so much during the summertime. And is it I was one of those there things where it's always light or it's always dark or is it yeah. just 12, 12 and 12? It was, uh, it was light for four months straight. It's light for for six months straight, but it's, uh, yeah, it was light for the entire time that I was there. The sun revolving wow. around the sky, yeah, for four months straight and really amazing uh, um, light effects with the sun, like sun dogs and halos in the, uh, yeah, just all over the place in the sky. It's uh, it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty magnificent. In the dynamic between men and women, I can't imagine, I mean, it would yeah. just be, there can't be a lot of, I think, what, well, but. I know the answer to this. So there, there were. It's mostly men. It's mostly men. A lot. Uh, yeah. It's it's less. Uh, the percentage now is better than it has ever been. But I still think it's like three men to every woman. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, that's like veil. It's it's a it's a cold cold uh, place, Antarctica. And when you say <laughs> cold, you mean we're talking zero. Mm, the the high when I was there was minus seven, and that was at the South Pole. So minus Fair, seven. minus seven Fahrenheit. Minus seven Fahrenheit. And you're running in that. Yeah, that was actually quite comfortable. That's that's almost you you get used to anything, and that one's uh yeah you can be pretty comfortable in minus seven. Um, but when I got there, it was minus sixty, and then during the winter time, um, when I wasn't there, it's down to minus one hundred, minus one ten, right around there. Come on. Yeah, and I do have a friend that ran there. Every single day during the winter time, um, underneath the station, the station's built up on stilts, and and that's one of the places where you can run is is beneath the station uh, on the snow. <laughs> and what are they studying there? I mean, you say you're washing dishes, but obviously, yeah, uh, you know, it's this whole environment and and community that has to. Somebody's got to cook. Somebody's got to do the dishes. Somebody, but they're studying. Totally. So the the study that's going on in the uh, at least the South Pole is uh, a whole lot of things that are either really, really big or really, really small, as I like to describe them. So everything from neutrinos, which are subatomic particles, which go colliding, uh, pass all the way through the Earth into this, uh, um, how would you call that, kind of... Uh, you lost me on the, so the neutrino. Neutrino, subatomic yeah, particles, yeah, teeny was... little things. That, they're amazing, though. They pass all the way through the Earth and hit a uh, detector at the South Pole, and they can figure out kind of where um, these are coming from, and it helps give them an idea of of, uh, the expansion of the universe and blah, blah, blah. Um, Dark matter, um, which apparently 70% of our universe is made up of matter that you can't even see, not with a telescope or anything. Um, Air quality, it's uh, considered the the base medium for um, the cleanest air on planet Earth. Um, So they do a lot of studying of that down there. Um, what else do they study? I think the most fascinating thing at the South Pole, which they don't study, and I, they have tried at one point, is uh, um, sociology, is the people that it attracts down there and how they're affected by the weather and the uh, isolation. Um, 
So yeah, but they don't do that. You still got that motorcycle, that BMW? I do. I die. Yep, I fired it up this morning. Really? Yep. We were Dave and I were were wondering if you were going to take that bad boy over here. Yeah, I I was almost about to, but it hasn't run in eight months, and and I I wasn't about to to get stranded in between Woody Creek and here. Yeah. Yeah, so I got well, my, that's a rough area. I mean, McLean, it is. You wouldn't yeah. want to get stuck over no, there. No, no. You never know which I elk mean, are going to come trample you. Roll there. Yeah. If one clips you, Ricky, and you're totally. you're fucked. And you can't hear those uh, those Teslas coming. Nope. You know, they're super quiet. But yeah. the one I, in, at one point, and again, this is to me. There's there's there's, and I'm sure you've done twenty of them. But to me, there's three crazy adventures. Right, running across the country, living in Antarctica. And then the the day you decide that you're going to ride your motorcycle, the one we're speaking of, from Aspen to Patagonia, <laughs> which that's where was it Patagonia? It uh, yeah, all the way to Tierra del Fuego, and then it busted mm-hmm. right there at the right at the tip. Well, so so that was actually a different motorcycle. I think the the motorcycle that I rode to 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 the Patagonia on was even cooler. It was a 1979 Honda CX500. It was like Honda's original attempt at kind of making a cruiser bike. Hmm. And this thing for for motorcycle enthusiasts, it, it looks like a Japanese version of the uh, Moto Guzzi, the Italian bike. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, that thing was like five years older than me when I took it on that motorcycle trip. Uh, that would have been over 10 years ago. And uh, pretty much destroyed it by the time I got down there. Uh, offered it to a fellow traveler and told him that he'd probably have to do some work on it. Um, but if he wanted to try and ride it up to the States, then I'd love to see my bike again. And Nine months later, this Frenchman uh, <laughs> came knocking on my door in Boulder when I was living in Boulder and gave me, gave me the keys to the motorcycle back. No way. Yeah. So that was the original that that's the bike that got me to fell in love fall in love with uh it's riding motorcycles. Yeah, totally. Rocinante. Do you know who Rocinante is? I have no idea. No. Rocinante is uh right up there with the particles. Yeah. I don't know that <laughs> is uh Don Quixote's uh amazing horse. So Don Quixote, as we all know, the the Spanish yeah. uh knight who uh was a bit delusional and battling uh um the the windmills and saving uh his dulcinea from from the bad guys and believed that he had the finest steed in all of the land and all in reality it was just this skin and bones horse so that's my uh that's my motorcycle so i've got this uh bmw f650 now which is uh i've had it yeah yellow it's uh it's got a hundred yeah that's their buddies and i bought it from a from a guy that had ridden it down africa up south america he sold it to me and San Francisco. I rode it up to Alaska, back to San Francisco, down to the Copper Canyon, back. It's now that's a single cylinder engine. Now has a hundred thousand miles on it, wow. which is pretty awesome, I think, for a for a motorcycle. You like to make it. I mean, you know, you like to make things hard on yourself. Well, I don't know about that. I think they're more interesting that way. I'm a wuss, and I've had every, <laughs> I've had a lot of people on this podcast just straight up call me a wuss, and yeah. they're right. Yeah. I'm a total wuss. Yeah, we. I think we all have our own ways of challenging ourselves. That's that. Those are my ways. Hmm. Yeah, I, I. I could never do the training that that you put yourself through. So those are. That's that's one type of. Yeah. Suffering and there's other types of suffering well, out we there. Like to, I, I, I'm. I got nothing against suffering. Yeah. Um, does the popularity of We'll just call it trail running, yeah, ultras, off-road stuff. 
Has it surprised you? Because to me, it feels like it's not, not only are the athletes, uh, you know, in their own way becoming stars, but this sport is is, and again, not to be sound weird, but I mean, it's exploding. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you've been doing this a long time, and you you know, but I think I'm a little surprised by the the fanaticism around things like Hard Rock or Western States or UTMB this coming weekend. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Does that surprise you? Um, I don't know. I mean, if it's it, good for you. Yeah, it's good for me and good for people like me. Um, I'm psyched to see the sport grow. I've been doing it for, like, yeah, kind of uh, making it. Uh, I've got that in quotation marks uh, as a runner for the past ten years, yeah. and and my ability to live a very frugal life certainly helps out with that immensely. Um, but yeah, I guess I've been seeing it grow. Um. When I, when I was growing up, running wasn't actually my main sport when I was in high school. It was mountain biking, and I was obsessed with mountain biking, and I loved it. And, like, Tinker Juarez and sure. Netover, and, like, those guys were all my heroes. And Tinker's and, a listener of the show. Awesome. He'll hey, love to, he'll hey love Tinker. to hear his name. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, so to see what mountain biking went through, which uh, I think kind of went through a similar explosion back in the, the late nineties and with Tomac and yeah, totally. And all those guys. Um, and, and to see it kind of go over that explosion and at least the professional scene not be as important now as it used to be, right. but now mountain biking's more popular than, than it's ever been. Yeah. So you know, where's, where's mountain running going to go in, in five or 10 years? Like, I don't know how, uh, how much, you know, the, the big races and the big names and the big races are going to be, um, important to people, but I hope that, you know, the, the sport itself continues to grow. Yeah. I wonder if it, you know, cause to me, I hear you when you talk about that era of mountain biking and the really, I mean, the guy like Tomac, bike magazine, every second page was a Tom yeah. Tomac ad. He was the biggest star in all of cycling, arguably. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it seems to it seems to me, and I think I'm right about this, that the content of that sport has shifted. So it's not so much who's got the gold medal, but the content is uh, a group of buddies, uh, you know, doing a week long trip where they, you know, bike camping. You know, yeah. it, it, you see a lot of that and. And that's really, I guess, what, you know, we can talk about the hut runs, but that's kind of what you do. You run hut from hut to hut, and it's more, nobody's racing, nobody's, I mean, yeah. there are some people that are competitive, but it's more uh, just a good time and, and community and conversation and, and, and just, I mean, you tried to get me to go on one once, and I just, <laughs> again, just. I, I even got you a, a shower. A little portable shower. Yes, and I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. You sent me a picture of it, yeah. and I, that would make a big difference. Yeah. But to me, it's like, I wonder if, if that's what, maybe I'm not making any sense, but that's, you know, that type of, of image and that type of, uh, camaraderie is what it gets to. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I've been racing for, for 10 years, 10 years professionally and 20 years, if you want to consider that I started running when I was a freshman in high school. And like, I've, I've just noticed this. Uh, I mean, primarily with myself, but you can see it in other people. When you invest so much time and energy and emotion into a race several months from now, mm. and whatever it is that, you know, you either have a good race or a bad race. Maybe you had some bad food the day before, but like so much emotion and like self-worth is built up in how you do in that race that, you know, lasts an hour or two hours or, or 12 hours, whatever it is. 
you know, I, I'm growing, I, I would like to say that I'm at a point where I don't want my self-worth connected with uh, what place right. I come in in a race. Yeah. And if I have fun in the race, great. But like primarily running for me is about getting into places where I can't get uh, otherwise, I, I, by the way, and, I think that comes through loud and clear. Okay, yeah, I think we got that. One. Got it. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, and meeting interesting people, and uh, yeah, and just uh, yeah, seeing seeing the world, hmm. and uh, and I think that that I I I like to try and provide that uh, with with these hut to hut running trips that I put on, um, and I hope that it's also infectious, and that people are sure. starting to do their own trips, and yeah. you know, not necessarily. Uh, saving up all their time and money yeah. to go uh, do a race in in Oregon on a on a, a, a ski mountain right. during the summertime. And yeah. this cross country run, this would make it, I guess, it would be hard if you wanted to be unsupported. Was there any thought to documenting this run? I mean, if you did that, I guess you'd have people around a lot, and you'd have you'd have some. The budget would obviously be bigger, but was there any thought yeah. to, because that would be pretty compelling, these conversations with the Kevin Smiths or the guy who gave you 160 yeah. bucks or the, yeah. the Serbian or, I mean, I would love that film. Yeah. Well, I got news for you, Lance. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Breaking uh, it, news. Yeah, breaking news. It was documented. Uh, oh, it was. Yeah, and so um, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I Am was I supposed filming. to know this, or does nobody know this? Um, I, A couple people know, but okay. we wanted to get Sweet. to the end to, to really... Yeah, to make anything of it, but uh, so Solomon has uh, had a company for the past six years out of South Africa, which used to be called the African Attachment. Now it's called the Wandering Fever. They make incredible films, primarily about running. They have a background in music videos, um, and I've worked with them for six years on projects in Japan, in the UK, um, in Alaska, in Utah. Northern California and Colorado. Mm. Um, and so I've got a great relationship with these guys. And so they sent out a videographer at the beginning for about eight days. And then uh, in hey, Col- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're in the middle of a podcast, but yeah. Sorry. Hey, call me if you got room to Okay. Oh, yeah. I have my phone on mute. Sorry. <laughs> That was our, you know what, we might just keep that in. That was that keep was our local sheriff, Joe DeSalvo, stopping in to talk about very important issues about the town, which was his tea time. Vote vote Joe DeSalvo. Vote Joe DeSalvo. He's got a race coming up next year. We'll have a fundraiser here at the house. Everybody yeah. can come and attend, yeah. including you. All right. Sorry, back to where we... So they came for eight days. Came for eight days, uh, 15 days in, here in the mountains in Colorado and into the desert and then at the finish line. Uh, finish line. I, I hate saying that, but that's what it was. Uh, Ocean Beach in California and San Francisco. Um, and then I was filming every single day. Uh, I had two cameras and uh, in my in my cell phone, so three if you count that. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what it what it turns out to be. It's uh, we're aiming for for a longer film than we usually make, which is uh, right. the five to ten minute range, uh, twenty if you if you can really get that. But so this should hopefully be a bit longer than that. And an hour? we're hopefully in I think an hour plus three thousand seven hundred miles. Yeah, an hour plus. The, oh, yeah. Okay. And well, I'm glad. Yeah. So we'll uh, next year. It's, you know, they're they're sorting through a whole bunch of footage right now that I took, and and hopefully not finding too many incriminating uh, things on there and and piecing it together yeah yeah Ooh, i don't know that i'd be turning <laughs> my stuff over to anybody here you go 
Yeah. Huh. What uh uh and I'm gonna check out Wandering Fever. That's interesting. I love that stuff. Like I love like in cycling we have the Morton brothers that do these okay. whole series called the called Thereabouts. And so okay. just it's the same thing. It's very similar to the Solomon films. It's similar to a lot of stuff that's going on in running. And I, that's I guess that's what I was getting at. Like it's not for cycling, it's you're not in a wind tunnel. Yeah. You're not crossing a finish line with your arms in the air. It's it's just you're just you're just out yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. And it's a it's a, it's totally different. I'm into that. Seeing as I've seen as I'm not fast anymore, I have to be into that. <laughs> what what is uh, you said you had a surprise for us. Yeah, so I so um we'll end with a surprise. I love I love that. Um You gave me a surprise. Wait a minute. And, and, it might be the same thing, so don't ruin it. No, because I kept the one surprise. You, the the, well, I won't say anymore. Okay, it's probably the same thing because I've been giving them away to a lot of people. But, um, on a on a cross country run like this, obviously packing is very important. Preparing for it, and um, my pack was down to twelve pounds, and that includes the the two cameras and the cell phone and all the batteries and stuff. So arguably about eight pounds with all of that. Hmm. Um, but uh, for for those that know me and, and those that don't, I'm, I try to always have some sort of musical instrument with me uh, along the way. And uh, I'm very happy to have found the, like the lightest musical instrument um, out there. Wow. Smallest, lightest musical instrument out there. So you get so one. I haven't, I've never seen so what we have here, and this wish, is... Uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll post a picture, but I don't know yeah. what the hell this is. So this is called a Dan Moy. Um, a Dan Moy? Yep, this is from Vietnam. Uh, you will recognize it to be uh, very much this similar or the same as a, uh, as a Jews harp or a mouth harp, as we know it now. And uh, it's like the smallest uh, instrument that I can find. And I think all athletes, runners, endurance athletes should have one of these in their little pack with their patch kit or their water bottle. Or is this juice. where you tell us you bought like 10,000 and they're for sale on your website? Um, we're getting there. I got to okay, figure out good. the marketing for good. it. <laughs> okay. So how do so, we, so you do the grooved side, uh, right there up against your lips, like ending right there. So right there, me, a little, yep. You as well, a little part to the lip and you're not, you're not breathing very much. It's, you're just doing this. You can put that side down on the thing. So this is this is what you do when you're running across the country and you're bored and you need to kill, keep yourself entertained. Let's make a video. A video? No pressure. <laughs> okay. And the Dan Moy from Vietnam. Yep. Really? Yeah, so we're gonna have, we're gonna have a jam session. Uh, back that way a little bit. That way, a little bit more. A little bit more. Dude, you're killing me. Right there. Okay. There. Okay. Okay. And open your mouth just a little. Wow. Um, I, yeah, we're killing me. My, my skills are terrible. And there must be people that can jam on this thing. Totally. We'll have to, I'll go to YouTube when we're done. Yeah, yeah. You can throw some beatboxing in there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. 
Because um, when you walked in, I said, oh, did you bring, because Ricky plays the guitar. And I said, did you bring your guitar? You said, no. And I said, did you bring your uh, harmonica? No. I have, you said, I have a surprise. And so it's the Dan Moy. Yep. I've never even heard of it. Never seen it. Never seen anybody play it. They're great. They're super trancy. You can, this, this is good uh, 14er stuff up on the top of a 14er. You gotten up any 14ers this no, year? No, I haven't. No, no, no. And I, that that capital mode, they, people keep falling off that thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a dangerous one. That that knife edge, I'm not. No, you've taught, you've described, you've run across it, which is just mental. But yeah, I I, I, I don't do good with heights. I I'd be scared shitless. I'd just yeah, I'd freeze up yep. literally, and and you'd still be up there, and I'd be stuck up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy that fell last two weeks ago had his GoPro on and. It's all there. It's terrible. That is footage I don't want to see. No. 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 All right. Well, that's a bummer of a way to end the podcast. We'll cut all that out. All right. <laughs> we're edit that out. Ricky, thank you very much. And, Thanks so uh, much for having me. Let me know. When, no, I'll let you know when I start running again. All right. Or you let me know when you start mountain biking. Is it true? What did you tell me once you rode up the plunge? I still call bullshit on that. Yep. And I, 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 I've never, as fit as I've ever been in my life, I've never made it up the plunge. It's just certain it's sections. Maybe, maybe it's not about fitness. Maybe it's finesse. Skill and finesse. Yeah. It's all about finesse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the right tires. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like, uh, Like I said at the top of the show, if you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please. God knows I need suggestions. Um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever. Let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The Forward Podcast at we do, W-E-D-U, sport, singular, Dot com, the forward podcast at we do sport.com. 